This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. So we've set up a series of conversations with the two previous podcasts. We're talking about coaching here at Church for the Rest of Us. And today we want to talk about the nuts and bolts of how this actually plays out at Family Church each and every week. And so we're going to talk to our three team leaders who do a lot of coaching for us here at Family Church. But before we do, I want to tell our listeners a little bit more about our culture here at Family Church. We have what we like to call a culture of collaboration. And so Leslie Bennett's here with me. Leslie, you're the communications director at Family Church. Why don't you explain what we mean by culture of collaboration? All right. Well, Jimmy, you're a guy who doesn't like organizational charts. We talk about that a lot. So we don't really like to drive through the organizational chart. We talked already on our podcast how we like to embody family at every level of our organizations. And we're always looking for opportunities to collaborate. And you like to say we operate in circles, not lines. So we might have different team members that we pull in on different projects, even though that's not necessarily your direct report. You might end up working for somebody else in a particular project. And so in order to pull this off, we have a lot of meetings and our meetings are team meetings. And each of these meetings have a leader and we call them player coaches right Right. now. So we have some guys who are leading each one of our teams who are actually in doing what they're coaching people to do. They're actually players on the field, but also coaches on the sidelines. And so we've asked each one of them to sit down with us. We're going to talk a little bit about what each one of them do. We have, so maybe you want to tell the listeners what our teams are and who we're going to be talking to. All right, so we have three major teams here at Family Church. We have a network resources team. Then we have a team of campus pastors and campus directors. And then we have a team of what we call matrix leaders, which would be more like our age-graded ministries, worship area, things like that. And so today we're starting with our network resources team, and we're joined today by Scott Crawford, who is our Family Church business administrator or our CFO Chief Financial Officer, and Scott leads our network resources team. So, Scott, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and talk about what we mean when we say we have a network resources team. Sure. Thanks, Jimmy. Well, prior to coming on board with Family Church, I spent about 20 years in the business world, a lot of that time with Hewlett-Packard. And in that time, I had the opportunity to do a lot of outsourcing. And so a lot of those same characteristics and duties have carried over into the church. And so kind of our network resources team is really kind of the back end office support for all of our ministry areas and all of our campuses. So things like legal and HR and finance and things like that would all be included under that. And it's a lot. It's a lot. Talk about your family a little bit. Sure. Uh, married to my wife, Sandy, for about 13 years. Uh, we've got two boys. And honestly, on any given date, they're either wearing us out or keeping us young. Sure <laughs> a little which, bit of each. Yeah, right. A little bit of both. All right. Well, super. Well, Scott, it's always awesome to get to talk about these things with you because I think you're a really strategic thinker. So why don't you talk a little bit about how you coach the network resources team at Family Church? Well, a couple of things, Jimmy. First, I think there are a couple of attributes that all good coaches have. First, I think they have a natural love for the game. And by that, I think that natural love is what kind of keeps them fully invested in the success of the team. Second, I think they understand the strengths and development needs of each player on the team. So they're trying to match skill set with task. 
And then I think they use that unique combination of their own passion and their own personal understanding of the team members to maximize the potential of that team. So honestly, that's kind of what I'm trying to do with my team. And overall, we try to use that then to provide kind of a customer service oriented environment for the rest of our ministry areas. Yeah. And so a lot of what your team does is you are serving kind of the people who are hands-on with ministry. That's right. And so people, whether it's people who are operating the, the operations area, who help take care of our facilities, the finance team that's managing our money, paying our bills, our legal team. And we have a lot of transactions that are real estate transactions and financial transactions and heck, lawsuits and stuff <laughs> that maybe uh, some of our listeners don't have, but we have a lot of that. So we have that. Uh, we have a guy who manages our partnerships. I'm helping to build partnerships with other churches. And so there's just a lot of different components to this. And then the school, we have a school with several hundred students that also falls in that rubric. Scott, as you kind of serve on that team and run with that team, what's an example of a way that you might coach someone on your team? Sure. You know, one example is we do have, we've talked about this before on prior podcasts, that we do have a meeting culture here. We have a lot of meetings. We have a lot. We do. But those meetings are beneficial. And so oftentimes after, at the conclusion of one of those meetings, I may pull a guy aside and just say, hey, listen, in that meeting, you know, either you had, you seem like you had a lot to say, or maybe the way that you said it, the tone in which you said it may not have been received the way in which you intended and so sometimes coaching can just be as simple as providing some some candid feedback to one of the guys on the team to kind of help them think through how they're communicating. Yeah, and I appreciate that so much because what we're trying to do is help all of us coach one another to elevate our game. And so one of the things, Leslie, that we do often is we kind of submit to one another on this thing and we'll say, hey, how do you think that meeting went or how do you think that talk went or you know, how could we make this better? Talk a little bit about how we do that kind of on the team. Yeah, I think that's really an important part about coaching. I think something we've also learned recently is asking for the gift of feedback. So right. I think also coaching one another, coaching the people that we're working with, not only, you know, you're, you don't always, your coach doesn't always have to come to you. Maybe you go to your coach and you say, so how did you think that that went? How did I perform in that meeting? What did you see? What would you coach me up on? We've talked previously to you coming in, we talked to Coach Chris Hobbs from the King's Academy about coaching and about pressing into those who press into you. So it does go both ways, don't you think? You need people on your team who are asking you for feedback so that you can freely speak into that because the goal is that we all would get better at what we're doing. Absolutely. You know, the, the truth is everybody's got blind spots. Yeah. And so sometimes seeking the advice of someone else or seeking feedback from someone else helps discover those blind spots. And honestly, it all helps us get better. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of by definition, I mean, no one, and I mean, nobody sees their own blind spots. True. And so that's why- <laughs> That's why they're that, blind. <laughs> that's, that's why it's good to have it. And, and I think, Leslie, what you said is so crucial too, is if we're going to operate in circles rather than lines and be truly collaborative- We have to seek it ourselves. All of us have to be willing to take a learner's posture with our brothers and sisters who are very good at their jobs and have very good hearts. And the truth is about coaching, you know, you don't have to be better than me at preaching to help me become a better preacher. And I think we've said this on previous podcasts too. I mean, Tiger Woods has a swing coach. Right. Okay. His swing coach is not better at golf than Tiger Woods. If he was, he'd be on the tour. Yeah. But somebody doesn't have to be better than you to help you improve. And that's why I think submitting to this and taking a learner's posture is 
is so vital. And that's why we use players coaches. And I, I want to say too, Leslie, you talked about how I don't like organizational charts. And it's a well-known fact that I detest organizational charts because I don't like to be boxed in by some hierarchical system. And I can only talk to this person if they talk to that person. I do see, just so we're clear for our listeners, I do see the value of organizational charts. We do have them. Every consultant that comes in here says, you know, Jimmy, this organization worked better if you would be more adhering to the organizational chart. So I know that they're probably right. But Scott would like it better. Everybody would like it better except me. And the reason they say it is, of course, you don't need an organizational chart. You're at the top. You boss everybody around. All right. So the truth is, all of this goes into what we're talking about because a lot of a coaching environment in a church, and, and I want our listeners to hear this regardless of your big church, small church, single staff church, maybe you're talking about volunteers. I don't want you to listen to this and think, oh, sure, if I was Scott Crawford and I had an IT director and an HR director and a school director that I could have. No, all of us have actually done this with volunteers before we ever did it with paid people. And I want you to hear this. Don't get lost in the scope or the size Every principle that we're suggesting to you here could be implemented with volunteers at churches of any size with the resources you have. Coaching and submitting to coaching and creating a collaborative environment can be done. It's not a function of size, scope, or budget. Very true. Hey, Scott, as you kind of coach people and you're a player coach, you got all these professionals on your team and all these outstanding volunteers that serve on your team and bivocational people that serve on your team, what are some of the challenges that you face doing that? Sure. I think a couple of the challenges that every church is going to face is your needs are always going to be outpaced by your financial resources. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just going to be that's always going to be the case. And so I think it's imperative on each each ministry area, each church, regardless of your size, to do an evaluation. And and honestly, in today's day and age, with everything moving to the cloud and everything is technology based, it's almost worth whatever it costs to try to keep up the pace with that. And so, you know, as you said, Pastor, each of us has within our congregation someone who probably does this for mm-hmm. a living. That's right. And who has that skill set, who has that talent. And I think leveraging that resource for the good of the kingdom and having that person engaged in your ministry is is absolutely one way that you can do it for, for little to no money, but getting that expertise that you need. I think it's a great example, too, because even here at Family Church, I mean, look, we have an $11 million budget and thousands and thousands of people and 11 campuses and all that. But we still have a group of network resources, IT professionals that we consult for no cost to us that's helping us build all kinds of IT infrastructure. And so I know that every church of every size definitely has people with some expertise. And part of what you have to do with a church for the rest of us idea is leverage what you have. You got to take what you have and do what you can. And you can't just throw up your hands and say, oh, my gosh, you know, we're just a single staff church. Our budget's $80,000. Our budget's $200,000. We just can't have cybersecurity. That is a very foolish, foolish posture. Or we just can't be concerned about HR laws and best practices. You can't do that. You've got to let the resources that you have help you take steps and move forward, whatever the situation is. What's some other challenges you see churches facing as you, you have a lot of, you field phone calls almost daily from other churches asking you questions like this? Yeah, that's right. You know, the the change in the landscape, a lot of that's being driven by legislation right now. You know, there's changes in the, you know, Affordable Care Act and there's reporting requirements around that. 
There's been recent changes in the standard accounting practices for nonprofits, changes to IRS tax code, and then honestly, just the noticeable increase in litigation against churches really has a lot of CFOs, you know, spending a lot of sleepless nights thinking, what are the implications of this for my church and how are we going to, as a matter of practice, address these? Yeah. And so this is Church for the Rest of Us listeners. I want you to hear this. You have got to pull together some teams, whether it's paid people, part-time people, or volunteers. You've got to pull together some teams to at least be thinking about this with you. So if you can't afford an IT professional and you outsource and do the best you can, pull together an IT team of two or three or four people from your church. Even on legal issues, pull together a team of two or three or four people who have some expertise in this area. Pull together a team of people who work in the finance or the banking area somewhere or that run a business and pull them together and let them help you. You don't have to pay this done. You can move forward with the resources that you have, but you can't sit there and act like, you know, gosh, all we do is try to win people to Jesus. We don't worry about that legal stuff. All right. That is moronic. Like you've got to do better than that. And you can with the resources that you have. Hey, Leslie, as you kind of have helped us think cross-functionally, and as you've watched us evolve as we kind of operate in circles and player coaches and on these teams, what are some things that you see us learning about this? Well, we talk a lot about that. We actually talk about it in each of our meetings, talk about some of the challenges that we might have with each of our teams interacting with each other. And like Scott said, I think the challenge on his team, and I think we have it in communications as well, is we're basically servicing the rest of the organization. And so we want to go to them and we want to say, what are we doing that helps you? What are we doing that hinders you? I really appreciate Scott. I really have learned this a lot from Scott is, you know, having our teams think in that mentality, like, The people that we serve on our church staff are our customers, so to speak, for lack of a better term. And so how can we have that attitude toward them? Because I think it sounds a little bit like we have this massive number of people doing these things. So I do just want to be clear that when we talk about team, that sometimes it's a team of one. (laughs) Right, right. Sometimes it's a person. So team is actually a person. (laughs) And as we can see, Scott wears a lot of different hats. And so we're all managing a lot of different areas and aspects and so it's just having that open dialogue of constantly evaluating, are we helping or are we hurting? And what, how can we improve what we're doing so that we can better resource the people who are doing ministry because they really are out there reaching Jesus. And that is our goal. But we want to do it in the smartest and most effective way possible. We're always looking at how we can do that. Right. So as we try to reach people for Jesus, Scott, talk about cross-functionality because, I mean, we have a a relatively small team for the size operation that we are. So we all wear a lot of hats, as Leslie just said. Talk about that cross-functional challenge and that cross-functional kind of aspiration that we have. Sure. You know, there's just so much diversity in the makeup of each ministry area and for us, each campus, that in some ways there's really a need to custom tailor the support that we provide. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways that ends up being more of an art than a science. Mm -hmm. And some of that is the constant tension between standardization versus centralization. And we could probably do a whole podcast on that. But it's also consistency and then realizing that sometimes, and Jimmy, you've taught us this, sometimes you do for the one what you can't do for all. And so it's evaluating the unique needs of each ministry area and figuring out how we can work together to meet those needs, sometimes in a low cost or no cost manner. Yeah, especially those are my favorite two manners. That's right. <laughs> That's, yeah, mine too. Yeah. So how, talk about some ways that we actually do help each other because it's cross-functional, collaborative 
player coach, we're on the same team idea. How do we actually help each other as we do that? Sure. You know, each of us sees things from a unique perspective. And when we come together and able to share those insights with each other, it's always going to result in a much healthier environment. For example, if the worship department wants a new software that's going to help them do what they do on Sunday mornings, well, simply Which none of us understand. Well, I, I don't. Even, I can't even pronounce the word. <laughs> you know, installing that on the network in a vacuum without talking to the IT department may have negative impact on the network. On the other hand, if the IT department decides they're going to run through a new policy and doesn't tell the rest of the organization, that may impact the rest of the organization's ability to be successful. So that collaborative effort really plays out in practical ways, and it's always going to be much healthier if we have the right people in the room. And we talk about where it is we're going, how we plan on getting there, and then come up with a plan to execute. That's always going to work much better. Yeah. And so a key part of our coaching environment is constant, constant meetings. And to our listeners, again, if you're doing this with volunteers, if you're doing this with committees, if you're doing this with part-time people, if you're doing this with a staff, it doesn't really matter you as a leader have to constantly pull meetings together so you can have this collaborative synergy going. And those are the environments where you create the trust and the relationships that create the ability to coach one another and the desire to submit to coaching from one another because it really is all about collaboration. Now, as we kind of do all this, talk about some obstacles that we face as we work through that. Yeah. You know, on any high-performing team, there's going to be internal and external obstacles. You know, internally speaking, if you look at professional sports teams, there's always somebody who wants the ball when the game is on the line, and that's okay. For us, internally, that's why we've developed a little saying around here that we call fill the gap with trust. And that is simply that we believe the best about each other. And because we believe the best about each other and the truth that everyone on the team wants the same goal, the same thing, we're able to come together and, and figure it out. And then externally, there's always going to be pressure as well, budget constraints, dependencies on outside vendors, approvals from governing bodies, which we're well aware of right now in the midst of several construction projects. All of those things cause friction in the organization. And again, we address those external obstacles in the same way where we pull together the right people, we collaborate, we discuss the facts as we know them, we call a play, and then we execute the play. Yeah, and we've got to coach as we do it. So we've got to be coming alongside because there's always people who are new, people who are inexperienced. And truthfully, what I like is that even some of us who I would consider grizzled veterans of the church business, if you will, we make mistakes too. We drop the ball too. We misspeak. We are unprepared for a meeting. We speak to someone in a way that's less than helpful. And the ability in the middle of all those internal, external obstacles to come around one another, believe the best about each other. And if I think that Leslie believes the best about me and wants the best for me, then when she says, hey, Jimmy, look, when we were in this meeting, you kind of said this, you know, what do you think about saying it a different way? She's believing the best about me. I'm believing the best about her. So, okay, I need to be open to the gift of feedback and receive it. And that's how we have to do it or else... We're just going to sit here with the skill set we have and the people we have and get blocked by all of these all these obstacles. That's right. It's really about culture. That's right. We're talking yeah. about culture. I love hearing Scott say that. We've talked about it in a previous podcast that that's our culture to fill the gap with trust. So here's our business administrator sitting here saying that to us because we know that that's what it's like to work at Family Church. Mm-hmm. And the thing I like is when we all know that, we remind each other of it. 
Sometimes I have to remind myself, but sometimes people remind me or I'll remind somebody else because it is a challenge. There are a lot of obstacles that we face. It's not an easy thing that we're trying to do around here. And so having those principles in place help us to move forward, I think, in a healthy way where we don't get crossways with each other. We might get crossways with each other for a moment, but we don't get crossways with each other forever. We learn to forgive. We think the best. We go back at it. We believe the best about each other, and that's what makes it fun, I think, to work at Family Church, even though it's not easy. We're doing some hard things, especially in Scott's area. I feel like there's so many challenges, like we've talked about with IT. I mean, there's never enough resources. I think it's helped us just to learn that, too. You know, other people from the outside have come and told us, you're never going to have enough resources to keep up with IT. Not that we're not going to keep trying, but just to know the reality of the situation and that that's been communicated to our team. I think that there's a lot of understanding when the team understands, you know, what's happening. I do too. I Ken Witten is a pastor at Idlewild Baptist Church over in the Tampa area. Great friend, mentor to me. And one time he and I were talking and he's saying, you know, I need to hire a new middle school pastor. I was like, well, why don't you? He said, well, I don't have the money. And I'm thinking, his church is gigantic. This guy is the best preacher at the biggest church with unbelievable facilities. I said, you don't have enough money to hire a middle school pastor? And he says, Scraggy, that tick grows with the dog. (laughs) (laughs) So it really doesn't matter if you're listening to this conversation, single staff church, small church, middle church, middle-sized church, you know, rural, urban, suburban, believe me. The issue of we don't have enough finances, enough resources to meet all the needs that we have or the things that we want to do, that's never going to change. But that's why building a great team with volunteers, part-time, full-time, collaborative environment, coaching one another, that's the name of the game as far as we're concerned. So it's been awesome being here with Scott Crawford, our CFO, and Leslie Bennett, our Director of Communications. We would like for you, our listeners, to reach out and give us your thoughts plus Scott and our whole team are going to be at our Sharper Conference March the 7th, 2019. It'll be cold where you are. It'll be warm if you're here. Come and be with us. Check it out. You can register today at sharperconference.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or Check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.